welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles post-game edition. I'm Scott Wright of the Oklahoma and joined by Nathan Ruiz. Post-game of Oklahoma State's 48-28 victory over Kansas at Kansas. Uh, really just uh, just what the doctor ordered, I would say, for the Cowboys, Nathan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great offensive performance. Uh, defense solid. Obviously, uh, some various points of concern uh, throughout both sides of the ball, given injuries, given uh, other circumstances, but Overall, a great great turnaround win for the Cowboys after they lost last week to Texas Tech. Good, strong bounce back. It's been a crazy week. Uh, lots of injuries to get to whenever we get to get around to the ding report. Um, so many uh, so many things that uh, that had been concerns for Oklahoma State that went well. Um, part of that could be the fact that they were playing Kansas, obviously, but um, you know, just completing some uh, some of those deep passes like Taylor Cornelius did. Being able to uh, to run block well and get Justice Hill out into space and let him do his thing, uh, still a positive sign going forward uh, for uh, for this team. Um, but let's jump into uh, to the deep ball. You wrote back to back stories Friday and Saturday that uh, that ended up being uh, about topics that were uh, very much central to uh, what the Cowboys were doing today. Um, Landon Wolf, obviously, we uh, we weren't exactly sure how uh, how much of a role he was going to play. Then, uh, then we got out there today and found out that Dylan Stoner is not was not going to play. Uh, obviously, Jalen McCleskey had transferred or announced his decision to transfer earlier in the week, and so that left Landon Wolf atop the depth chart at the inside receiver position. Um, and he was a uh, was a very significant player in this game today. Yeah, both of those stories that you mentioned. So I wrote about Landon Wolf for Friday's paper, and then as our pregame story today, I wrote about OSU's lack of a deep ball, and both those stories kind of ended up coming to fruition in one play osu hits uh landon wolf for or taylor cornelius hits landon wolf for a 42 yard touchdown to start the day scoring uh ends up hitting several deep balls throughout the game landon wolf leads osu in in receptions and yards gets that touchdown as well uh, a guy who's a former walk-on out of tulsa east central uh not a heavily recruited school uh, but he's a guy who i think his teammates really really respect a guy who who works hard who was put on scholarship before this year, a guy whose shifty speed, whose knowledge of the game, whose who's ability to get open, they all really enjoy. You can tell Taylor Cornelius really loves throwing to him. We've really known that since the spring uh, when Landon had five catches and 99 yards in, in the spring game, most of those coming from Taylor. So it, it sets up now where, where maybe OSU has maybe not the same experience of a weapon, but maybe that chemistry is there with Taylor Cornelius that, that maybe Jalen McCleskey just didn't have with Taylor Cornelius. And so now Landon Wolf represents a weapon. We saw OSU throughout the game kind of take advantage of, of a deep ball threat. Tylen Wallace getting a couple, Tyron Johnson getting a couple, uh, Braden Johnson getting one thrown his way, but just didn't sync up with Taylor Cornelius right there. But uh, that was a threat that, that OSU was lacking. I wrote that OSU was three for 19 on such passes. Taylor Cornelius just really struggling to connect on those deep balls. But today they were willing to go out there and air it out and, and, and use that part of their offense that was so big for them last season. Yeah, and um, you mentioned Braden Johnson getting in. Um, didn't really discuss this much with the coaches, but uh, you know he had been viewed sort of as an outside receiver type of guy and was being used more in an inside receiver type of role. So um, possibly some uh, some things changing for him, and that could have been uh, you know over a couple of weeks, or uh, or it might have just been something that he's uh, that he's transitioned to now being his second year in this offense and, uh, and understanding it a little bit better as a redshirt freshman. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what his involvement going forward is. Obviously, we expect Dylan Stoner to be back at, uh, at some point. 
uh, and obviously that changes the dynamic of the inside receiver position anyway. But um, definitely a guy that they like because of his speed in Braden Johnson, and uh, you know he got way behind the defense on that uh, the one pass that you referenced. It was uh, just out of his reach, um, but uh, but they ran another play to uh, to try to get him the ball on a reverse and uh, try to do some things to, uh, to to get him involved, which was uh, which was pretty interesting for a guy that really hasn't been involved in the game plan at all up uh, up until this point so um be interesting to see what his involvement is uh from here on out um you mentioned your two stories that you uh that you wrote uh one of the stories that uh was originally on our uh, schedule to write this week and uh didn't make it because of uh, other circumstances mostly uh circling around Jalen mccleskey was uh we wanted to address uh justice hill's lack of carries uh, at this point in the season um that was uh, another issue that was uh, front and center today with uh, with Justice Hill getting uh, 31 carries, 189 yards, his second highest total uh, of his career. He's only gone over 189 once, and that was Bedlam last year when he went for 228. So um, big day for him. Uh, yeah, to me, that it was really confusing, honestly. I know it's great that Justice had a big day, but for him to get 31 carries against Kansas, and I, I – Mike yours has emphasized balance and how that could open that probably went a long way in opening up those deep passes but it seems strange to to limit him to to 15 carries against Boise State to 12 carries in a loss to Texas Tech and I know a lot of that again had to do with being behind but for him to kind of just get 31 carries after getting 46 through the first four games yeah it's it's just a strange flip of the switch against Kansas of all teams yeah it really was um I missed my uh my one wild prediction by one touch. I said 20 touches by halftime. He had 18 carries and a reception uh, at the half. Um, if he'd uh, if he'd gotten uh, a few extra yards on that third down play right before uh, right before they had to punt, maybe he would have got that other touch, and I could have added another win to my uh, one and uh, what 16 record on wild predictions over the past uh, season and a half. Um, uh, frustrating for me. Very frustrating. Well, I've got I've got to be better. I almost got the score prediction off by a point for the second time in five games, and then both KU and OSU scored another touchdown. So that was a real letdown for me. Yeah, that's understandable. It's understandable. Uh, Let's um, let's move on to the Ding report really quick. It's gonna Uh, be a long one. It's 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 a long one. Um, Darian Daniels out for the year. Uh, that's a big uh, dynamic change, I think, on the uh, on the, the defensive front. He's a he's a guy that not only is talented but brings a lot of emotion up there, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mentioned this in the story I wrote about it, but my big memory of him is at Big Twelve Media Days. Mike Gundy is ask, answering all these questions, a lot of them having to do with the Mike Holder recruiting situation, and uh, you just hear Darren Daniels in the background singing "Boys to Men" songs. Um, so I, I think that's energy, it's personality, it's. Uh, it was the vocal leadership that he really provided um, that they're going to miss. And obviously he'll still be around and still be able to, in some ways, do that. But it's different on the field, being that vocal guy. Um, obviously, as, a, as an inside lineman, he's not putting up huge numbers. But he's a guy who's, who's extremely valuable to OSU. Uh, the depth gets hurt there. OSU, fortunately, is, is, is deep in that position. You can just plug in another senior, and Enoch Smith Jr., into his spot. But... Over the, the a lot of young guys had to be tested today. Oh, we'll obviously continue to get into this mid ding report, but Darian Daniels, a guy who's done for the year, it is fortunate for him that there it, it, 
that the timing of it is what it is and that it happened in the bef- before the fifth game. He's a guy who was a true senior, so he still has his registered year available. Uh, Mike Gundy said he hadn't even considered it yet to this point, but in all likelihood, I would assume that Darian Daniels will just be able to redshirt this year, and if he's interested, be able to come back uh, for a senior season, another senior season. Yeah, and um, you know the thing, like you said, he doesn't put up crazy stats uh, on the inside, but being a, a a solid and and reliable defensive tackle allows those ends like Jordan Brailford to do a lot of the things that they're able to do uh, because they can't just ignore the guys on the inside and uh, and assume that uh, that the interior of your offensive line is going to be able to take care of them. Uh, you've got to pay attention to those guys too, and that uh, I think allows for some of the uh, some of the uh, more aggressive things that the ends do, uh, in particular Brailford, but uh, but but those other guys as well. Uh, it allows for some of those things to happen. So uh, a big loss, I think, uh, for uh, for the Oklahoma State defense up front. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what they uh, what they do to uh, compensate for that. We did see Brendan Evers and Cameron Murray on the field a lot today, um, trying to, to shore up that uh, that situation, give some extra depth there behind Trey Carter and Enoch Smith. So that will be the challenge for uh, for Jim Knowles, and uh, obviously for Joe Bob Clemens and and Gray Richmond on that defensive line going forward is to uh, to to get those guys. Uh, you know, involved and keep them up to speed and, and at a level that they're comfortable with how they're playing. So um, that's uh, that's a uh, that's a big hit on the uh, on the Ding report for uh, for the Cowboys there. Um, as far as we know, nobody else that's uh, this lost for the year at this point. As far as guys that uh, uh, that were absent today, um, and I know you wrote about them. So uh, who who else on uh, on that list really sticks out to you as uh, as something that uh, could be impactful? I think all those guys, I mean, we don't know about minor injuries, but just to, to run through them, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez did make the trip but did not start. Um, played for a bit but really not much, uh, so so he's he's dinged. Uh, LD Brown remains out, missed his third straight game. Uh, Dylan Stoner, as we've mentioned with uh, Landon Wolf's rise, Dylan Stoner did not make the trip. Calvin Bundage, who was playing pretty hobbled and dinged against uh, Texas Tech, he didn't make the trip. Uh, and then during the game, OSU loses left tackle Arlington Hambride on that first drive. Had to do some mixing and matching on the offensive line. And then late in the game, Kima Sivaran, the Texas A&M grad transfer, filled in for A.J. Green, who appeared to get dinged. So uh, OSU has dings uh, mostly throughout the defense, but uh, a couple of them offensively. Again, like like Scott mentioned, we don't know yet, quite yet how long-term those all are. But, but OSU is not... Uh, really a team that can afford to continue to lose guys uh, like this. The schedule, I think, is pretty favorable, all things considered. Uh, we talked about you know the possibility of a 9-0 run before that Texas Tech game, but it, it's still a schedule that sets up favorably where these younger guys can get some experience in before they're really thrown into the fire of what it'll be like to face West Virginia and OU and TCU. And, uh, so, and even Texas. Texas is playing real well right now, so uh, it sets up, I think, the timing, the schedule. I think it all sets up well for OSU. Um, but obviously, your ideal scenario is to have as many of your, of your main guys healthy when you in every game, but especially when you hit that back stretch. Yeah, it was interesting with the guys in the secondary who were dinged, Malcolm Rodriguez and uh, AJ Green in particular. You uh, you look out there and you you've got you know, Jarek Bernard, Colby Peel getting involved in that secondary. 
um, you know, Peel being the one that was backing up Malcolm Rodriguez, but Jark Bernard playing quite a bit, uh, sort of rotating with uh, Tabo Moniki. And then you, uh, so that's two true freshmen right there. And then you've got uh, Kima Sivarand uh, coming in, who is not a true freshman, but uh, not an, or not a real experienced guy as a, as a grad transfer. And obviously his first year uh, in the program, only been in the defense really for about two months now since, uh, since he arrived. So um, some, uh, some inexperienced guys uh, on that back end, and that's, uh, that's going to be, a, uh, gonna be important next week with Iowa State. Uh, which we'll get to more in our uh, in our midweek podcast, but um, you know, with uh, with the the receiving talent that uh, that Iowa State has, obviously they've got quarterback questions with Zeb Nolan, but um, still could be uh, an interesting matchup with some uh, some inexperienced guys in uh, in the secondary. Now, I did talk to uh, to Justin Phillips, and uh, I wasn't specifically asking about Calvin Bundage's health because I didn't expect Justin Phillips to have a, a whole lot of details but he did he said that he expects uh calvin bundage to be to be back next week so um that said i, I thought devin harper played pretty well in place of calvin bundage that was uh that was a a solid development for uh, for the cowboy linebackers and justin phillips uh obviously no relation to the ding report uh for him he was all fully healthy but a really big game from him yeah, you know, really valuable guy. We both talked to Jim Knowles a bit about him. Jim Knowles kind of described him as they think alike. He he and Justin Phillips think alike. Uh, it makes it easier when you can kind of predict what he's going to do. You know he's going to do his job. It makes it so Jim Knowles only has to worry about 10 of the guys on the field because, you know, Justin Phillips is going to do his job. Uh, Stoner, uh, we've uh, we've discussed. Uh, you know, there was, a, there was a point in the middle of the game. I, I can't remember if it was the second quarter or the third quarter, uh, but – uh, Landon Wolf went out. It was the interception. He went out on uh, on Taylor yeah, Cornelius' interception. He got uh, slobber knocked. He got slobber knocked, according to Robert Allen. Uh, good use of uh, of that word. I forget dinged report. We should call it the slobber knock report. <laughs> the slobber knock report. Um, yeah. So he went out for a while, but did return. And uh, you know, right before that happened, uh, Justice Hill had took a uh, looked like a helmet to the quad on uh, on one of his longer runs of the day uh, as he was getting tackled and uh, and he limped off the field uh obviously both of those guys came back but uh it looked like the uh, the, the ding report was going to be even longer than it uh, than it turned out to be with uh, a couple of a uh, couple of those little things so um uh, you, you, we touched on arlington hambright um really impressed with what the offensive line was able to do moving tevin jenkins from right tackle to left tackle in the middle of the uh, the first series and as uh, as mike yersich pointed out uh Shane Richards comes comes in after practicing all week as a backup guard on really on both sides of the ball. He's played both the left and the right guard positions. He comes in at right tackle and uh, and fills in really well there. Yeah, and and so credit to those guys. Credit to Josh Henson for having those guys ready. Uh, but the the OSU offensive line obviously has been seemingly portrayed as the biggest question mark. It's where Mike Gundy has assigned most of his blame for OSU's offensive struggles, especially last week. Uh, so to see that unit, you know, put up. Uh, some success and it's tough because it is Kansas and Kansas has two wins this year but it's still Kansas um so yeah they we they we might we might get to December and be saying Kansas has two wins this year yeah exactly let's see how many more they get they get but uh but yeah so yeah the perception of Kansas I think is relatively the same uh they did make it interesting at a point Uh, I think it was it was within 13 pretty late in the game somewhere in the fourth quarter maybe third quarter um it all blends together uh, but uh, I think there's a lot to be happy with. It's it's always nice to see signs of improvement. Mike Gundy's target date to have a really set offensive line was October 1st. 
that's Monday. That's two days from now. So I think it's it's nice for for this team to be able to see some improvement out of that unit uh, and be able to set up those those deep passes and those big runs by Justice Hill. Yeah, I think seeing Justice Hill not not only getting the ball as much as he did, but uh, but just being as productive as he was. Um, was was probably the thing that uh, that Oklahoma State needed to see the most. Um, you know, if, if Taylor Cornelius had been a little bit off and uh, and you know maybe he had been 13 of, of 20 and only hit a couple of those deep balls, it, it would have been good but not great. Uh, but Justice Hill getting out there and doing what he did was something that I think this offense really needed to see. They needed to see their workhorse doing what he normally does, and I think that that's going to be the lasting image from uh, from this game going forward. That uh, that really helps Oklahoma State get through, uh, particularly these next two uh, these next two games with Iowa State and Kansas State. I think there's been a lot of you said something that made my brain think that about all the comps I've seen and heard to this being similar to the 2014 season. Right. And you look at the Kansas game in that season was kind of the game that identified, like, oh, this OSU team probably isn't pretty good. You beat Kansas by a touchdown. You need Tyreek Hill to save the day with a kick return. And and you start to wonder some things. This was arguably Taylor Cornelius' best start of the season. Yeah. I know he was really effective against Boise State. Obviously, he put up some good numbers uh, in his first game against Missouri State. But a lot of that was just – dinking and diming and there was some hesitiveness in his throws but this game he looked comfortable he had the deep ball work and really uh the interception you could blame tylen wallace as much as you blame right. taylor cornelius yep. um the, the overthrow to Braden johnson you know maybe Braden ran like lined up a little bit um you don't have the same speed out there he's not as fast as stoner or wolf or jalen mccleskey so maybe if one of those three guys is out there that's an easy completion and a touchdown um so but i think uh taylor cornelius even last week, you know, I think there, there's signs of life there. Yeah. Um, you, there. You didn't head into a stretch where you're questioning things as you leave Lawrence, Kansas, which was the case four years ago. Right. I think right now this OSU team is, is really confident. Uh, last week's performance aside, I think it still believes in itself um, and its ability, especially when you have a guy like Justice Hill who can go out there and have the kind of day he can have. That's, I think, a big difference between the 2014 team and this team. Obviously, 2014, you had Tyreek Hill kind of – misutilized I guess would be a word I'd use but Justice Hill you you know what you're going to get from him you give him the ball he's going to be productive with it it's just a matter of getting him the ball enough right um we uh we got to see a little bit more from Chuba Hubbard he was uh he was impressive in his uh what do you know with just five carries I believe if uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me I think it's five for 57 and a touchdown yeah and obviously hurdle and an impressive hurdle um, I would I would have been really curious if he hadn't got clocked from the side coming down from the hurdle if he had been able to uh, to keep his feet after that because he got really high in the air to uh, to go over that dude. Yeah, he's a potential Olympic sprinter at right. some point. I think he could look into hurdles. That was impressive. And you mentioned him getting hit from the side. Uh, a lot of people were tweeting at you and tweeting at me about mm-hmm. targeting, and I fully agree. It looked like it was a head-to-head hit for sure, but. Uh, OSU doesn't catch or break there. Ends up settling for a field goal on that drive. Uh, that's another case where one yard was the hardest yard to get. OSU got to the goal line and had some trouble there. But uh, it, it's, again, that athleticism from Chuba Hubbard, you know, that excitement, yeah. that speed. I think he's still a player that people are really excited about. And today's a day where he kind of just touches on it a bit. You know, you see him have a, a long run, scores a touchdown, uh, gets that hurdle in. So he's a guy who I think uh, provides an interesting uh, a, a lightning 
to to the all around thunder that is Justice Hill. Yeah, uh, talking to Justice after the game was uh, was was interesting. He got talk, he got asked about uh, Chuba's hurdle, uh, and he said that they had actually talked about it while they were watching film during the week because they noticed that the safeties were coming in really low whenever they were uh, coming up in, in run pursuit. And uh, you got the impression maybe that uh, the Justice was just joking, uh, but Chuba clearly was not. Uh, Justice said that's probably not something he's going to try. He's, he would rather uh, stick on the ground and, uh, and try to evade a guy down there than, uh, than go sky high like Chuba did and, uh, and, and try to sail over the, guy, uh, over the guy's head. But it was funny to, to hear them that they had actually discussed that as a possibility and then, and then uh, Hubbard actually gets that opportunity. So yeah, my favorite part of, of, of that, I think my favorite quote we got post game was Mike Yersich on that play. Oh yeah, kind of saying I didn't really pay attention to it. You kind of move on to the next play, but then you think back to it and you're like, oh yeah, he did that. Wow. But you know, in the moment, you're not really thinking of the uh, the B button. You know, he's <laughs> referencing you know Madden or the NCAA video games. Like right. what button you push? The B is a spin button. He had to he had to ask what what button it was at first you get c button which there's not on either a playstation or an xbox there's right. not a c button um so he eventually learned it was the y button i think he was a big fan of the fact given his last name is yursich starts with a y i think he was right. a big fan of the yeah. y button um take a little but, ownership yeah he said the y button for hurdling like like i'm sure he did plenty in his quarterbacking <laughs> career so <laughs> right um but yeah so he was a guy who uh he admitted to not being a gamer yeah and but he uh, he was not. I think you're impressed with it. He said he'd prefer he had just juked a guy out, which I'm sure Chuba will do that at some point. We saw it a bit against Missouri State. Right. I'm sure he'll have some other hurdle or juke. He, he can press all the buttons with Chuba Hubbard. That's oh, what he yeah. apparently can do. He he can. He can hit all the buttons. Um, I was I was in the same boat as uh, as Mike Yursich. The last uh, the last gaming system I had was a uh, PlayStation Two. Uh, I think on that one, the uh, the triangle button would have been the, uh, so, yeah. the the jump button. That's 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 that lines up with the 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 X Y B that Yurcich was talking about. Yeah, uh-huh. That's on a PlayStation. So the Y triangle they line up. Okay. So they're the same button. All right. Same location. Good. I don't feel I don't feel you're quite not left as, out. Yeah. Quite as disconnected as I as I was listening to you guys discuss that. So, uh, good stuff. What else, uh, Nathan? What else sticks out to you from uh, from this game here today? Uh. The special teams discipline issues kind of continuing. I think Gundy mostly penalties on that side. That's what he right. was mostly frustrated with. Uh, so that's stuff that has to get cleaned up, but every team has to deal with it. I think what's really most impressive is you think uh, the possibility of turmoil might leak into this team with the Jalen McCleskey situation, Mike Gundy's addition to it, um, with his ultimatum. Right. And then uh, OSU doesn't miss a beat. Landon Wolf goes out there and it, it's like nothing happened. It's like who, Jalen, who you know. Right. Uh, so and now, uh, through he has nine or ten catches, uh, Lana Wolf does, and he already has more yards than Jalen McCleskey had in fifteen catches. So right. He he's a guy who I think that the chemistry we've seen that do so much for Tylen, and these games, you know, Tylen Tylen Wallace, just Mister One Hundred, I guess, four straight one hundred yard games. Right. Uh, so he he's a guy who uh, who now landed in Tylen and, and even Tyron to an extent. I think they're starting to really see. Uh, the chemistry from last year's second team really start to leak into this unit. Uh, again, it was Kansas, but if if you go out there next week and we see it against Iowa State, obviously you you want I think over the course of a season you'd like to see Taylor not necessarily go away from Thailand. Obviously, if that option is there, then go for it. But you'd like to see him diversify his targets a little more. I think. Right. 
because uh, at a certain point, good defenses are going to really shut that down. Right. They're really going to say, okay, well, this double team Tylen, and you just hope that maybe someone else gets open. Uh, we see Tyron, Landon, Dylan, whoever it may be, they're talented enough to get open. Uh, but I think at a certain point, if he becomes too reliant on one guy, that's going to be a cause for concern. But but for for right now, OSU's receivers missing Jalen McCleskey, uh, Dylan Stoner out for this game. Who knows how many more? Um, but OSU's able to act like it's nothing. You know those. I think it is maybe again a point of concern that only three guys really contributed. You know, 306 of Cornelius's 312 passing yards went to Wallace, Wolf, and uh, Johnson. Mm-hmm. But if, if all three of those guys are putting up those numbers and getting that open, I don't think you have too much cause for concern. Sounds like a law firm. The law firm of Wallace, Wolf, and Johnson. That's good. That's I think people made the same joke after the uh, South Alabama game. The law firm of Wallace and Johnson. And uh, I'd have thrown Cornelius into it, too. Yeah. But Wallace, Wolf, and Johnson, that just rolls right. That it should be really, that's really, on that a commercial. Really, that is really smooth. That's right the there. one. That's I think that might be the one. Yeah. Wallace, McCleskey, and Johnson. And it's mm, chunky. No. It's yeah. chunky. Yeah. yeah. Wallace, yeah, Wolf, and Johnson. The WW, the alliteration. Right. Uh-huh. That's what does it for me. Uh, was impressed with uh, with Tyron Johnson and the way that uh, that he played the uh, the the corner end zone catch was really impressive. That was that was a perfect pass. That was a perfect catch. Yeah, it was. And that was that was something I mentioned in the deep ball story. Was it was a, it was how Tyron talked about it. It's about landmarks, and right. that just means this is the point on the field where the throw should go. This is the point on the field where the receiver should be. Right. So if it's a bad throw, it looks like more often than not. Tylen Wallace is on the interception. That's kind of a lone exception mm-hmm. where it looks like it's on the quarterback. Right. Um, but sometimes it's just timing where you, they don't sync up. Yeah. The timing just isn't there. On that little fade route or whatever to the end zone in that corner, that was the they both hit the landmark perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's uh, I think you saw a lot of that across the board with uh, with what Cornelius was doing today. Um, the, uh, the the few exceptions that we uh, that we discussed. Um, you know, being uh, being fairly minimal, so pretty impressive all around uh, performance from Taylor Cornelius, his receivers, uh, Justice Hill, uh, the offensive line. A lot of uh, a lot of good mojo, I think, came out of this game. Uh, yes, it's Kansas, and yes, it's uh, you know a game that you're supposed to go win by 20. But uh, you know, I, I think that uh, this team was at a pretty critical point where they needed this. They needed the emotion of this more than they needed necessarily just a w in the uh, you know in the, uh, another mark in the win column so the uh, the emotional boost from this game i think is something that's going to carry over yeah you got to think so oh so you're trying to turn around a weird stretch at home two and four in the last six big big 12 games at home so i think they carry in some momentum now they're not just riding off uh you know one loss to texas and one even if it was a win a dud in some form so uh, all around a good victory i think the defense would have liked to hold Kansas to a little less than 28, right, but right. I think Taylor Cornelius is probably can enter that game as confidently as he has, just given how well he played. Um, I think what's interesting is OSU's wins have all come in kind of different ways. We see them, mm-hmm. this was the first time we really saw them use the deep ball right. to win a game. Uh, the The block punts were what decided the Boise State game. Uh, the run game is what won the won the Missouri State game. So they 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 won a lot of different ways, um, and I think that was something that was our impression of what this team would do coming into the year. They would be dangerous in many ways offensively. Uh, we hadn't quite seen it yet in this fashion with mm-hmm. the deep ball deep mm-hmm. ball, uh, but they broke it out today because we knew they had the speed at receiver. We knew they had the talent at receiver. We we'd been told Taylor Cornelius had the arm, right? And today was the first day we really saw it all kind of sync up. 
Saw a lot more Jelani Woods today. I was intrigued by that. I mean, only the one reception for five yards uh, on, uh, I think it was a little drag route he ran underneath and, uh, and caught a pass and tried to turn it up. But um, a lot more involved in the offense, uh, which seems to signify that they trust him uh, not only as a, a possible receiving weapon, uh, but also to go out there and block more than maybe they did you know, a month ago. Yeah, I think he's a player they're really excited about. Just yeah. when you look at the height, the ability, the knowledge, given that he was a quarterback a year ago, right. I think there's a lot of pieces of him to really be excited about. You know, he's a guy that, that has played tight end before, uh, but hasn't. Basically, when he, when he became a sophomore in high school, uh, he uh, he transitioned to quarterback, and uh, it looked like that was going to be his future. Um, obviously, now... Um, you know he's having to uh, to adjust to the physicality that it takes to be a uh, a, t- a tight end in in the Big 12 or Division one football in general uh, because it is a lot different than uh, than than what he's ever played the position against so um, there's an adjustment period there and I think that you're seeing him uh, sort of open the door on uh, on the future of, of what could be and uh, that's got to be encouraging I think for the Cowboys so all right, Nathan. We uh, did we hit it all? Did we did we touch well, on I mean, uh, certain everything things important? we didn't talk about? I don't know if you want to talk about them. Um, uh, eh, I'm fine with it. Okay, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, so uh, OSU now uh, four and one, one and one Big Twelve. Yep, got a road victory. They did, and so now they uh, they're all set to go back home. They are Iowa State at home, and then uh, then you and I will be traveling back up uh, I-35 and and other various Kansas interstates to uh, to Manhattan, Kansas, for uh, for that one in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so. I'm glad you brought up. We're again in the Oklahomans Mobile Podcast. That's studio. exactly right. Um, so if the audio is is problematic, I apologize. I've been fiddling with the thing periodically to make sure we sound okay. So if we don't, that's on me. You can email me. You can tweet at me. Uh, I would actually appreciate you doing that, so I know that we have engagement on this. I get excited. It, somebody could uh, could tweet or email us to rip apart every single thing that we said. Yeah, if you just want to call us dumb, if you want to say right. the audio is awful, if you want to say I have a stupid voice, I would appreciate it. I yeah, I'm just I just I get excited to know that people are listening. So uh, we appreciate uh, all comments, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. So. Um, so thank you for that. Thanks to all the listeners. Uh, appreciate Paige and Dave back uh, back in uh, uh, at the uh, at the Oklahoma offices or uh, or working from home when they usually have to put this together. Actually, so uh, appreciate them putting in the time to uh, get this out so that uh, you, the faithful listener, can uh, can enjoy it. So uh, I believe that brings us to the end of another Cowboy Chronicles podcast. He is Nathan Ruiz. I am Scott Wright. Thank you very much for listening.